With your help, we can continue to fight for freedom. This is not possible without your generosity. Join our quest for the truth and our freedom and donate today. Simply go to tntradio.live. You're listening to Sonia Poulton on today's News Talk, TNT. TNT. Hello, world. It is Friday. And even more important than that, it is March the 1st. Spring is in the air. And deep going dewy to our Welsh viewers. Happy St. David's Day. Yes, I know that was a particularly poor pronunciation. My Irish Welsh, Welsh mother would be particularly horrified, but hey, my heart is in the right place. If you didn't know, St. David is the patron saint of Wales and today is traditionally known as the feast day of St. David. March the 1st, it's been a celebration since the 12th century and it's a day to honour Wales and St. David. Daffodils are the traditional flower and I have a piece of actual, this is actual from a coal mine in Wales because I have Welsh ancestry. My brother actually picked it up a few years ago and I still have it in my kitchen in a little Welsh pot. So there you go. Welcome to you all. Bordar, Marley, Bordar. And uh, so George Galloway has won the Rochdale by-election on his Gaza ticket and people have gone into uproar, absolute uproar. Political commentators saying things like, this is the fall of England and more. It's nonsense, of course, and I'm tired of these types doing our wonderful nation down. But it is curious how a northern town, rife with poverty, deprivation, the shadow of grooming gangs, how it can be won based on placing another country's needs above and beyond the troubles of the local electorate. I find that curious and very interesting. Some people are saying that George Galloway will only be in place until the actual election, which takes place later this year, but we shall see. I told you on Wednesday about the appeal to overturn the murder conviction of Oliver Campbell. Well, the judge adjourned the case yesterday, blaming Oliver's barrister for not stating his case in sufficient time, and it will reconvene at a later date. In the morning, they heard some particularly strong testimonies from psychologists on the testing around false confessions and how it's changed since Ollie's initial conviction. So as ever, wish Oliver Campbell lots and lots of luck. And also talking about being in court and in the high court, MP Andrew Bridgen is in court today. This is a strikeout hearing. It's not a full trial. Former Health Secretary Matt Hancock is trying to avoid a trial and instead hoping he can have the court dismiss Andrew Bridgen's case of defamation against him. Um, starts 10.30 a.m. Usual time in the High Court. Uh, just looks like it's a one-day sitting. I'm looking at the order from the judge, uh, um, which will be Judge Stein, and it's about people attending or people wanting to be part of the live transmission and how they can apply to the court by 9 a.m. this morning. Andrew Bridgen was in Parliament yesterday and appeared to be calling for capital punishment for doctors and nurses who went along with the JAB programme, or at least that's how some medics interpreted it. And they've reported him to the police for inciting violence against them. Penny Mordaunt, who has long been considered to be put in the line of uh, eventually ascending to become the prime minister, was 
as per, absolutely repugnant to him. She's never actually dealing with the issues that he's talking about, and that is excess deaths as a consequence of the experimental mRNA jab. And I know I'm not the first to notice that something weird is happening with the British royal family, and much of it apparently health-related. So let's see. Let's do a little countdown, shall we? Prince William pulled out of a major event this week with little explanation, but citing personal reasons. We know that King Charles, I do those air quotes because I don't really recognize princes and kings personally, but King Charles is diagnosed with cancer and not undertaking public events. Then Sarah Ferguson, Andrew's ex-wife, diagnosed with skin cancer. Thomas Kingston, the son-in-law of the Duke and Duchess of Kent, died in somewhat mysterious circumstances this week. Um, still, details are somewhat lacking around that. The Duke of Kent, by the way, a senior member of the sort of royal entourage, has long been recognised as the head of Freemasonry in the UK. And Kate Middleton has not been seen since Christmas. We were told she was in hospital with abdominal issues. She's apparently had surgery, but the royal household are refusing to say exactly what is wrong. This, of course, is guarantee of wild speculation. People online are saying Kate has had a stroke, as previously reported, and there is even suggestions that she has been in an induced coma. Whatever the truth, it clearly shows the royal household is fragile. So fragile that this week at a major event, they had the tainted Prince Andrew lead the family. I mean, how broken are you exactly? And on that note, let me go and get Basil Valentine to join me. Russia, gas prices, COVID mandates. It just doesn't seem like anybody's doing anything about it. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. I've no idea what Basil is just saying there. He said something like, I'm not going to pull you. See, look how transparent I am. He said something like, I'm not going to pull you up on the fact that it's actually Prince Michael of Kent. Go on, what were you saying? Do pull me up, well, it's Basil. Actually, you, said, you, you said it's the Duke of Kent's son-in-law that's died. It's actually the Duke of Kent's younger brother, Prince Michael of Kent, whose son-in-law has died. And uh, my hand. But you, you, you were absolutely right about the Duke of Kent being the country's most senior Freemason. He is the Indeed. Grand Master or whatever of the uh, United Lodge. That's absolutely he, right. He uh, is but indeed. I don't there was think that infamous book that was written and then the author mysteriously died 16 months after writing the book about Freemasonry in the UK. Do you remember that? Stephen Knight, The Brotherhood. Well... Excellent memory. Excellent. I'm I'm impressed with Basil already. Basil, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. And uh, I, I do want to just focus on the political earthquake that Ooh. occurred overnight uh, with do. the election of George Galloway, of course. Um, you know, the press doing their best to do him down. Um, yes, of course, Gaza was a central issue, but I mean, you know, when there's a genocide going on, it's only right and proper that people should vote for the only anti-death candidate. Do you know what I mean? That's anti where we've got, death. you know, <laughs> you know. Um, uh, and interestingly, the second place candidate was also an independent, David Tully. I'm not sure what he ran on, uh, but the major parties were relegated to third, fourth and fifth. So it was a yeah, real humiliation. Shocking. And the, and the simple fact is that people have absolutely had enough 
of the neoliberal pro-war uniparty. Uh, but to be fair to George, yes, Gaza was uh, central to his campaign, but he also uh, campaigned to reopen the maternity ward at Rochdale Hospital, because at the moment you can't actually be born in Rochdale. And as his uh, fellow member of the Workers' Party told me earlier this week on TNT, you can't die in Rochdale either because uh, they've closed the facilities for that and there's no places in the cemetery. So you can't live or die, be, sorry, you can't be born or die in Rochdale. So uh, George was campaigning to reopen the maternity ward, also campaigning to reopen the indoor market, to organise a consortium to save Rochdale Football Club, who have been long-standing members of the Football League but gone bankrupt, and he also planned to, to clean up the town hall. It's perfectly true he may only have a few months in the job, but uh, he's got a 6,000 majority. He won 40% of the votes. Uh, I think he stands a fair chance of hanging on to the seat at the general election. Mm, interesting. What did you make of the fact that Simon Danchuk, who was actually the former MP for the town under Labour, now a reform MP, you know, failed? I mean, that many people thought, oh, he's going to take it again. But now, my observation of Simon Danchuk when he was a Labour MP was he was so interested in celebrity. He was one of those celebrity MPs like Matt Hancock. Yeah, and then there was he, he accused Galloway of running a divisive campaign. Yes, and then he went he went sort of berserk at the at the count and started accusing everybody of corruption. There was actually a corruption scandal earlier in the day. Uh, the Reform Party discovered some malfeasance involving uh, some officials and Labour Party members uh, trying to rig it. You can look that up online. Uh, but in the end, it seems democracy prevailed. And of course, uh, we do still have paper ballots counted by hand in the United Kingdom. I mean, this is one of the great bulwarks of our democracy, so that with uh, party representatives at polling stations who escort the ballot boxes from the polling stations to the returning officer, uh, our elections can be generally safe and properly overseen. We are not victims of these computer systems that they have in the United States, for example, whereby, you know, a hacker can simply break into the machine and come up with the desired result. So uh, that's how, you know, because there's no doubt George's election is a real slap in the face oh, of yeah. the establishment, not least because you know, so long as Lindsay or Hoyle pulls him to his feet to speak, George will say things in the House of Commons that nobody else dares to say. And for yeah. that, we should all be very grateful. Yeah, interesting. What did you make of what Richard Tice, head of uh, reform, had to say? He made a number of allegations. He said there were people were being threatened on the way into the polling stations. They were being threatened as part of the campaign. He said that this is going to play out all across the country. There's going to be real problems. Our democracy has been taken. What do you think about all that? And we, of course, we know that reform is absolutely loving Israel at the moment. Absolutely loving right. it. Right. Right. Um, yeah. Well, you know, I wasn't there. So I can't verify any claims of intimidation or anything like that. 
but it does sound rather like sour grapes to me, Sonia. Right, um, right. Re reform do stand a decent chance of depriving the Conservative Party of dozens of seats up and down the country. I think they only got uh, very low single digits in, in Rochdale, but at the two previous by-elections, uh, the one in Wellingborough, for example, they got 10% of the vote. Well, if they were to get 10% of the vote nationally, uh, that would you know, mean the loss of dozens and dozens of Conservative seats in marginal constituencies. But I hope we see more earthquakes uh, like we had in Rochdale last night. I think independent candidates up and down the country will be emboldened by the result. Now, I mean, I know you would <laughs> go back a long way in politics or, you know, the uh, liberal upsets of the 1970s. Uh, you know, who can forget Roy Jenkins in Glasgow Hillhead? And do you remember some of these, uh, Shirley I Williams? I mean, I'm a bit young for all of this, Basil, <laughs> but yeah, I take your point. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, so but, uh, voters do tend to return to the main parties in a general election. Right. are one-off things. But, but, and this is a big but, you know, general dissatisfaction with the two main parties has never been higher uh, by quite a long way. Uh, so uh, I, I hope that, you know, we're going to see more independents who are targeting particularly pro-genocide Labour MPs, including Keir Starmer himself, who right. faces a, a very serious challenge from Andrew Feinstein, an independent left-wing candidate who is running on an anti-genocide ticket. It seems extraordinary that we're saying that. Now, of course, the press right. uh, do like to try and portray anybody running on a pro-Palestine or anti-genocide ticket as somehow anti-Semitic. But Andrew Feinstein is Jewish himself. So I'm not quite sure how the mainstream media are going to paint that one. Uh, he was also oh. formerly a member of the African National Congress in Parliament in South Africa and a close confidant of Nelson Mandela. So his oh, credentials are impeccable. So Ooh. Keir Starmer faces a real challenge. And I think, you know, I would I'd love to see Starmer beaten. My goodness, I'd love to see him lose his seat. Every, I, there, there is no enthusiasm at all for a Starmer premiership, is there, Sonia? Uh, everybody no. realises he's just an empty suit. And that's being yeah. kind. That is being kind. He'll do anything, won't he? Any way the wind blows, he'll take a knee. He'll say anything that's necessary. You know, men men can be born as women and all manner of things, you know. And uh, so that that's Keir Starmer for you. And also, let's, let's not forget that he is a Sir Keir Starmer. So he's already oh. up to his eyeballs, you know, and compromised by the British establishment. Anyway, but, but Basil, just before you go, tell me this, because obviously you've given us a completely different look at George Galloway's win in Rochdale, which which is exactly what TNT is supposed to be about, because we've heard the sort of drubbing that the mainstream media has given it. But many people are saying that this really is about George Galloway and his huge ego, and he's he's not interested in the local community in Rochdale. What do you have to say to that? Well, I think that's insulting to the voters of Rochdale, first of all. You know, he spent uh, the last month in the constituency solidly campaigning, met thousands of people, shook thousands of hands, and people came out and voted for him because they liked what he what he had to say. Uh, he's got a proper personality, 
I've never but, met George, but you can talk to him about football. You can talk to him about films. You can talk to him about culture and about the things that affect people's lives. He isn't one of these identikit apparatchik politicians to have come out of the central office of one of the major parties who just parrot out party lines and have no personality and no experience of life. George is a colourful character. There's no doubt he's not perfect, but my goodness, he represents a very welcome change from the boring blanks, you fill in the word, Sonia, that populate the House of Commons. I mean, for my money, the House of Commons has the lowest calibre of individuals of my lifetime by quite yes. a long way. Yes, I think it is actually fact, isn't it, that the least amongst us are, are, you know, rising to the top of us. And it's absolutely outrageous. But it, we know why, don't we, Basil? It's because they're completely compliant. So that's thank you so much for that report. Really interesting. A completely different take than what we are hearing in legacy media today. And that is exactly what you will expect from an independent station like today's News Talk. We'll be right back. TNT's Mark Morano. Brain implants. Are you ready to have your thoughts read, your mood altered? It's not science fiction. It's not some realm of the future. It's here. It's now. And it's not spectacular. In the case of Emily, the patients actually can record themselves and we're able to analyze it. If I had crippling depression was suicidal, I'm not going to turn down a treatment like this. I'm not knocking someone for doing that. What I'm saying is this is really on the edge of a brave new world, especially given corporate government collusion, the great reset goal of taking away freedom, democracy, private property. One of the tenets of the great reset from the World Economic Forum is you will have no privacy and life will never be better. Mark Morano on today. This is generally the view of people, oh, we don't know much about Assange. But you should know, because whether you know it or not, he is fighting for you. For your courage and leadership and tenacity in journalism and publishing. Since 2010, Assange has been held in progressively narrower, darker, colder and crueler spaces. He has been detained since the 7th of December 2010 in one form or another. And we are now here after years of imprisonment. WikiLeaks is a non-state hostile intelligence service. I think the man is a high-tech terrorist. A high-tech terrorist. A traitor, a treasonous. He has to answer for what he has done. Assange faces up to 175 years in prison for publishing classified documents exposing U.S. war crimes. The U.S. government narrative about Julian is a complete fraud. It is a complete fraud from A to Z. Julian took on the most powerful countries in the world, basically all of them. We now have confirmed that there were plans to kidnap Julian here in the center of London or even assassinate him. No one who instigated that illegal and immoral war has been brought to justice. But the great truth teller sits behind bars. If wars can be started by lies, peace can be started by truth. Julian Assange is a hero. What if everything we thought we knew about somebody was a lie? Would we be willing to go on a new journey of understanding? This is a story of deception 
lies, bravery, and a man who risked everything to bring the truth to light. Mr. Assange shows all the symptoms that are typical for a person that has been exposed to psychological torture over a prolonged period of time. He looked at me intensely and said, I hate to say this. He then hesitated, visibly troubled and searching for words. And then he finally said, please, save my life. May future generations have the ability to speak without restraint. May our children and their children know truth and have access to information that leads to justice. Wherever Julian goes, free speech goes with him. If there is a bird that is about to take flight, stretch her wings and rule the skies, may it be a peace dove and no longer a bald eagle. If you think Assange is a traitor, he's a rapist, he's a narcissist, he's a hacker. I don't blame you because you have been deceived. And if you think you've not been deceived, that's normal because otherwise it wouldn't be deception. A hoax about carbon dioxide in the climate has caused a global energy and economic disaster. Today's News Talk, TNT Radio. Just looking at some of your comments coming in, Chris, that I met George once and chatted about politicians my dad knew. He was great till he blocked me during COVID. Yes, unfortunately, George did go down the whole COVID narrative route, didn't he? Which was a disappointment. And I have met him, actually. And I, I, I just like Basil, I do find him to be an engaging individual, a personality as, as such. Just to say, obviously, what we do here at TNT is absolutely unique, 24-7 independent news. If you are able to support us, please go to the main website and uh, the donate button is at the top of the page next to the contact. There are a million ways to support us here at today's News Talk. We have a fantastic merch store. Obviously, please keep sharing our videos, liking, subscribing, talking in the chat, talking everywhere, Rumble, YouTube, X, Instagram, you name it. Talk about us because we are all part of the army. Oh, yes, we are. We're part of the army that's lighting the fuse for freedom. That is indeed what we are doing. And we are reaching our hands across oceans here. And my next guest is joining me all the way from beautiful Mumbai, Johan Tengra. Johan, you must have one of the best um, ex-bios I've ever read in my entire life. Hello to you. How are you? Hey, Sonia. Doing great. Pleasure to be here. Happy to join you and uh, share my thoughts with, with your audience about what's going on out here. Wonderful. Well, you are described as a biohacker, a functional medicine practitioner, a Bitcoin maxi, a truth-seeking, researching conspiracies, the nature of reality and fringe occult subjects. Wonderful bio. We love that. What's a biohacker? A biohacker is someone who's basically investigating uh, different kinds of tests and biomarkers inside his body to predict his um, likelihood of developing different diseases. So, uh, I studied comprehensive blood chemistry interpretation along with different tests like gut microbiome tests, genetics. So I basically see clients and patients and we integrate all of these diagnostics to to help people assess their risk of 
various diseases as well as design targeted protocols for them based on their markers and their symptoms and you know like take them in the other direction so most people are just trying to heal from symptoms but we want to take them from going towards being asymptomatic and then also going towards optimizing all of the biomarkers which have been shown in the scientific literature to increase risk of various diseases that's what we do I see. And uh, it sounds fascinating. And I see from your description also they've put up there, you're a founder of Anarchy for Freedom, obviously, in India. I noticed interesting story, by the way, from Mumbai, the former head of intelligence, Avtar Saini, was run over while cycling, run over by a speeding cab. Are you familiar with that story? No, I haven't come across that. I'll have to look into it. <laughs> That's sort of wild. If I honestly in the UK, if like the head of our intelligence had been run over by a speeding cab, we'd all be up in arms saying there's something weird has happened here. I do, when I read that, I was like, that is so curious. I'm very curious. Oh, no, about there's it. a there's a big background. A lot of um, nuclear scientists and people who are working in research in various scientific fields getting uh, murdered mysteriously in India. So that there has been a, a trend of that going going way back uh, to ever since we started our nuclear program. So there's a lot wow. of intelligence officers also which have a history of being honey trapped by the CIA. There are journalists who've done some work on that out here. So I can share all those articles with you and you can share it with the audience if it interests you. Fantastic. I look forward to that. So tell us a little bit about, actually, I tell you what, I don't want to start just yet because we're going to go to some news headlines. Let us do that before we go into this proper. We'll be right back. Let's go to some news headlines first. Question. What are you guys doing today? The news. TNT Radio News. Sounds good. Matt Boyland here with your TNT headlines. Russian President Vladimir Putin has warned the US and NATO are flirting with nuclear war by floating the idea of sending Western troops into Ukraine. The UN has warned more than half a million people are just one step away from famine in Gaza, with many now surviving off animal feed. And Donald Trump has taken a swipe at Democrats, accusing them of engaging in a dirty disinformation campaign to divert attention away from Joe Biden's cognitive decline. On air and on the app. I listen on the app. Stay up to date around the clock. I listen, therefore I know. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Well, I am joined by a very interesting individual all the way from Mumbai, Johan Tengra. So let's talk a little bit about Mumbai, first of all, which I conflated with Bombay just when we were in the break there, obviously Mumbai, formerly Bombay. So tell us, Johan, what is the sort of climate like there in terms of protesting? Um, so right now there are massive farmers protests that have been going on and uh, these have a certain history and background to them. So they started a couple of years back because the government was about to introduce three bills in parliament which would uh, centralize the entire food production system and uh, make it easier for multinational corporations to basically consolidate land ownership from the farmers and centralize that whole process. And basically like push small farmers out of business. And uh, there's been an entire agenda to kind of get people out of rural areas into, you know, the urban centers in line with the entire sustainable development goals and agenda 2030. So that's been pushed by our central bank, by our government, by all the multinational corporations. They've all been kind of working lockstep to, to push that whole thing. So, uh, and also we, we've had like a big background of IMF World Bank intervention in India's policies. So, you know, they've been involved in lobbying and shifting our budget towards, uh, you know, like the government sponsoring and funding and subsidizing 
uh, multinational corporations which are involved in the World Economic Forum and the entire agro food conglomerates worldwide. Like they've they've been favoring them at the expense of farmers. So you know there's been a big rise and pushback against a lot of that. The government did submit to a lot of the demands um, to like not introduce the bills a couple of years back. But now the farmers are protesting to have like a legal guarantee over the prices they're paid for the crops because uh, you know pre-COVID, post-COVID, a lot of the farmers' incomes have gone down because of you know the entire uh, Great Reset push. It's basically monetizing the tech and you know like service economy more compared to the agricultural side of things. So farmers are facing the brunt of that, and then. And the protests have been going on. So that, that's that's what's going on right now. As far as the political climate goes, we also have our elections coming up, which is why probably the protests are a bit more ramped up. Uh, other than that, as far as, you know, the entire anti-COVID and, uh, you know, the tyranny we faced during the entire lockdowns and mandates and everything, that's all died down now. It was at the peak when we had our vaccine mandates and lockdowns. And uh, India is an alien culture to these subjects because, you know, we, we've never had people looking into this, but the entire COVID event like lot, got a lot of people into conspiracy research and trying to understand geopolitics and international affairs. So after that, we, you know, at the peak, like one of the protests that uh, I led had two, two and a half thousand people show up there, which is uh, right. like a huge number for that to happen. But that was in the peak of the lockdowns. Ever since then, uh, I've been working with a lot of, um, you know, like legal people who are senior advocates in our high court in our state and the Supreme Court. So we were part of a coordinated effort to get the mandates removed. So we were successful in overturning the vaccine mandates out here, both at the state level and the national level. Uh, In response to that, the the company which basically manufactured the AstraZeneca vaccine, uh, the CEO of that filed a defamation case against me personally because I called him a mass murderer on all of my platforms. So I've been fighting that since the last year and a half. We lost the initial stage and uh, now the main suit uh, is just about to start proceeding. So that's some kind of background to what's, what's been going on on that. Wow. We, yeah, we've also filed a couple of murder cases against them in court um, because we know people in our network who've died just, you know, two, three hours after taking the shot and uh, we filed murder cases against them. So yeah, a lot of lot of um, legal stuff going on. All of that, even the legal matters that subsided for the last six to seven months, but uh, I just got a mail last month and it's kind of picked up again. So that that's what's been going on on my end, yeah. Got you. And of course, obviously, he's fighting you in court because he absolutely disputes that he's a mass murderer. And that's yeah. the reason why presumably he's fighting you. Is it is it a defamation lawsuit? Yes, it's a defamation for uh, 100 crores. That would come, come to a couple million dollars. Got you, got you. And what is the situation regarding excess deaths in Mumbai? Do we know? Uh, so the overall excess mortality data has shown an increase and uh, even like the the heart disease and heart attack incidence data has shown an increase. I can share some of the statistics to you later on. Um, but uh, overall, what, what we've seen out here is that the government and the entire cultural narrative started to pick up on noticing that, you know, a lot of people are dying suddenly after the rollout of the shot. And uh, they try to dismiss it saying it's long COVID, post-COVID. But then we have clear data showing that there was no rise in 2020 when, you know, you, you've had uh, the infection kind of play, play its course. And in 2021, when the rollout started, you see a clear rise. Uh, so in, in order to debunk this whole link, um, our uh, kind of scientific 
agency which takes up these matters to do research on these kind of subjects the indian council of medical research um they undertook a study uh, which you know kind of dismissed the whole link like they said the vaccines don't have a role to play and uh, it's just ba- basically like covid and other factors right so you know like we've had researchers and academics who've taken that study down and exposed the flaws but uh, point being that um this was taken up by parliament um, so it was a big kind of conversation in uh, general people's minds as well that there there is something suspicious and fishy about the vaccine program but then the government is kind of like doing its thing to quell those supposed rumors yes yes it's wonderful to hear the level of activism that's taking place there we hear so little about it on the world stage we always hear about activism in the uk in america hardly ever in india and it's so it is absolutely wonderful and heartening to hear so solidarity with you over there absolutely so look that's very worldly stuff so let's go a little out of worldly because your understanding of life and beyond is uh, is is so interesting that i think we'd be wasted having you on and not asking you about this news story it's new research that's popped up and i think it's really curious because over the last year we've seen so much about um aliens and about uh, foreign existences haven't we and uh, there's this new research saying that even if intelligent aliens exist they may never achieve space travel like us what do you think is going on here johan i think uh, to give to give this conversation proper context uh, the viewers need to be aware about the fact that there, there are tons of researchers who've been looking into the subject since you know at least as far as the, the late 1980s you have linda moulton how in america she she did couple of mainstream shows going into the entire uh, cattle mutilation phenomenon and abductions and stuff and you've had like academics as well like richard dolan and other people who've who've been writing books on the subject for a very long time so there's a lot of uh, credible you know like researchers to look into if people want to dive deep but j- just to give context and summarize um in my research um, non-human life has been interacting with our planet for for a very long time going back to non-human history and uh, at least as as early as the 1950s you can say we we see like a rising trend in different abductions and commonly um, you see certain types of entities being reported like when you do a broad review of all of the abduction literature you see you know couple of species come up again and again with different people who don't know each other so like triangulation from wide variety of uh, broad sources um this this new report that you sent me i looked into it and uh, it's based on certain assumptions like they're basically saying that the planets that they've identified which are likely to you know sustain some kind of intelligent life they have a much larger mass than than the earth and the gravitational pull will be larger so it'll be harder for them their rockets to like leave orbit but when you study the abduction literature that's not what you see you like you see accounts of um these beings being able to manipulate space time in in some way like there are abductees who report that when they went inside the the ship um the ship seemed bigger than like when you look at it from outside from outside it seems really small but when you go inside it's like a large football stadium uh, there are abductees who reported about you know time being altered like they feel they spend a lot of time on the ship but when they come back it's just been like a, you know tiny fraction of time so there's there's something in the literature which suggests that these beings are are working with a level of physics that we currently haven't reached an understanding of and even the way they kind of use energy has to do with you know getting it from the the quantum field itself 
and there are researchers who've done work on scalar physics who have interviewed you can go and check out uh, Tom Montauk's work I'm a big fan of him and he has a background in physics and he had abductions when he was young so he kind of got into this to figure out you know like what what's really going on and how we can explain all of this so he's read over 1000 books and he summarized a lot of that in his content so yeah i feel like we're dealing with non-human intelligences they don't necessarily belong to another planet so to say but they have some interdimensional characteristics uh, wherein they're they're a bit apart from us on the frequency spectrum so um, these kind of limitations and assumptions don't really apply to them if you do an open minded look at the what what we know about alien life forms and all of the literature that's that's out there Absolutely fascinating Johan this is such a short period of time to have you on I feel that we should be picking your brains for hours please come back again onto oh. the show and talk some more because you have such a wonderful wide remit of interest and uh, we we truly appreciate and we truly appreciate you joining us from Mumbai this morning everybody this is Johan Tengra check him out on uh, X and uh, absolutely fascinating individual as i say so many areas of research interest johan thank you so much for joining us today have a great day take excellent care of yourself wonderful weekend to you we will be right back with our next guest with his expert analysis and opinion this is TNT Radio's Timothy Shea these people are evil first they lie like no no the jab is safe and effective. You have to take it because it's safe and effective. It's for the greater good. And then they'll deny that people that were injured were injured by the jab, which was so safe and effective. And now when they're finally forced to admit, yeah, your paralysis, it's from the mod RNA gene therapy injection. But we're gonna make it up to you, the doctors in Canada say to the paralyzed woman. We're going to allow you to opt for euthanasia. I'm not making that up. Go check out the story. With these people, all roads lead to death. They are a death cult on a mission of spreading death far and wide. They want to kill people. They want to kill as many people as possible. They're on record as saying they want no more than 500 million people on Earth. The only problem, we have 7.5 billion people on Earth. They want to get rid of 7 billion people? And they're doing it slowly but surely. They need to be stopped and they need to be stopped now. From MAGAinstitute.com, this is Timothy Shea for today's News Talk TNT. When the world's endangered animals need help most, when their lives are at greatest risk, when they would otherwise be lost, the International Fund for Animal Welfare is there, taking action to rescue the animals we love to protect them and their threatened natural habitats. See how you can help animals and people thrive together at joinifall.org. You're listening to Sonia Poulton on today's News Talk TNT. TNT. Well, that was fascinating. Absolutely. Shug says they have us looking above when we should be really looking below. And Holly says, I, uh, oh no, that's not Holly. Somebody else said, I beg your pardon. Somebody else said something like, uh, yeah, but we're all looking into phones. Indeed we are. And then somebody else said, <laughs> so many comments coming in, beg your pardon. Absolutely beg your pardon. Somebody else said, please bring Johan back. Wasn't long enough. Absolutely. And uh, just want to say, obviously it's Friday. And uh, I'm about to bring in a guest who I've known for a little while now, absolutely fascinating individual who has been through 
the mill, frankly, as we say over here. He is Dr. Ahmed Malik, and uh, he's the host of the Doc Malik podcast. He's a critical thinker, a freedom fighter, a cancelled surgeon. And according to uh, the gossip, he is a... Uh, he was frequently described as gifted and skilled in his role as a former orthopedic surgeon. What happened, Ahmed? Why are you a former orthopedic surgeon? Um, good morning, good afternoon, wherever you might be. Thanks for having me on. I Pleasure. think the medical establishment doesn't like doctors who think for themselves and question. I think ultimately that's what it's all about. And, you know, I was speaking against what the establishment were sending out, whether it be the government or the mainstream media or the regulatory bodies, and they didn't like it. And they wanted to shut me up. And they did a very they, good job at that. They did indeed. And, In uh, November, you said, I've been suspended without pay and cancel because I dare to challenge the government narrative, defend informed consent, oppose mandates and lockdowns, question experimental jabs, and insist that there are only two biological sexes. I don't know about you, but that's exactly the language I want to hear from a member of the medical establishment. What's so wrong about any of that? You tell me. <laughs> I mean, it's just common sense has gone out the window. We live in this upside down clown world, inverted world, where just speaking the truth gets you punished. I mean, if I said any of these things back in 1980, you know, my teacher would have looked at me and said, what's wrong with you? Of course, there's only two sexes, you know, male and female. You want a, you want a prize for that? You want a special sticker? You know, whereas now, if you say this, you know, it's like, how dare you? How dare you question, you know, and climate change? You can't question that. You can't question the science, so-called science that they're pumping out, which is really unscientific. You can't question vaccines. Can't question the policies. Can't question anything. And if you do, you're, well, we're going to suspend you. We're going to investigate you. We're going to make your life really miserable. And ultimately, that is what happened, Sonia. I've just been harassed for about 13, 14 months since a video that I did back in December 22 went viral. You know, I was about to go into my operating theater. I was in my scrubs. I just did a quick video, one take, saying, you know, we need to question these vaccines. You know, so these are experimental things, you know, because I'm seeing a lot of harm. And my doctor's colleagues are seeing lots of harms and they're scared to speak out. And this massive experiment on humanity needs to be stopped and investigated. Boom. A few hours later, one million people had seen it. Boom. Within a day, two of the national medical doctors contacted me and the, these directors said, stop it. Stop doing this. You've breached our social media policy guidelines. Stick to your scope of practice, whatever that means. Um, I think they mean by that, just stick to fixing ankles and bunions. Um, and if you ever talk about this again, we might have to get rid of you. You know, and we will have to review your practicing privileges and whatnot. And I wrote back saying, my scope of practice is as a doctor, patient safety first and foremost. Have you got a problem with that? And, um, and they never had a really decent response. And I said, well, my second email was from your lack of response. I'll take that as a tacit approval to carry on what I'm doing. One of the hospitals backed down, the other one didn't, kept harassing me, eventually referred me to the GMC based on anonymous complaints. Um, they kicked it out after three months. The other hospital found an excuse to suspend me. They said, well, you failed to notify us of this referral, even though I'd never physically received any copy of referral, even though I wrote to the GMC saying, am I under any complaint issue, investigation? And they wrote back saying no. And the fact that, you know, 
they also knew about this complaint for three months, but still felt the need to get rid of me. Um, was simply because they didn't like what I was saying. There's no patient involved. I've got a fantastic record. I'm a great surgeon. They just don't like what I'm saying. It's not, I don't know if it's, you know, the diversity, inclusion, equity, if it's bad for their metrics and optics, having a doctor like me, controversial. What they want is sheep. They want little sheep, little doctor automatons who just do what they're told, which is try and identify a problem, prescribe a tablet or an operation, and um, and just do do that and nothing else. And, you know, I've been drifting further and further into this holistic kind of outlook for the you know last five, six years right. after I turned my own health around. So I was questioning everything. And I knew this all stank to high heaven. Um, and I don't want to shut up. And in January, I wrote to the GMC, which is my medical licensing board, said, I want to I want out. I mean, there's no point in me practicing. I'm financially crippled. I can't operate anywhere. I mean, what can a surgeon what use is a surgeon if you can't operate? But at the same time, I'm licensed and registered, which means I've got this regulatory noose around my neck the whole time. Anyone can make an anonymous complaint and boom, you're being investigated, tribunals, two, three years of your life, thousands of pounds in, in money. And you just need to look around the world in Australia and Canada and Britain, New Zealand. Doctors are being you know, taken through that regulatory process and being punished. And it's not just being punished, they're being made an example of. It's like, look at this. Any doctor who speaks out, this is what's in store for you. And that's like, you know, the Soviet Union, they had these show trials. I mean, the decision had been made. You're guilty. I mean, they paraded the people out to, to show the public, if you're a dissident, this is what's going to happen to you. Right. And that's, that's, and that's what they do to the doctors. So like, look at Charles Hoff, look at William Mackis in Canada, Mark Trozzi in the, in the UK, you got, um, Sarah Myhill, Jane Donahan was struck off. Sarah Myhill, they, 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 they do another tactic, which is they suspend you for a year and every year they go, we'll, we'll, we'll revisit this. And then you're Terrible. back in the Daily Mail, you're splashed in the Daily Mail, you're anti-vaxxer, you're horse dewormer, whatever it might be, disgraced doctor. And then they, they suspend you again for another six months. <laughs> they, they just keep wheeling you round and round. What a terrible um, state of affairs, though, because we, we have record waiting lists, including for orthopedic surgery. So a talented, skilled orthopedic surgeon is hospital-less for daring to say something like men can't be women and we should be questioning quite rightly experimental jabs. That's, that's really the sort of nuts and bolts of what we're dealing with here, right? Yeah, that's what we're dealing with, but we're dealing with something much, much bigger. So, you know, this whole pandemic couldn't have happened if, you know, honestly, 15% of doctors just stood up and said no. Right. If we had, if we had moral, and I mean, um, Charles Hoff talks about on, on my podcast, you know, th this was the ultimate moral integrity test and the medical profession, um, you know, failed it on an epic scale. You know, 15% of doctors just stood their ground and said, no, this, this breaches medical ethics informed consent, bodily autonomy. This is experimental experimental treatment on pregnant women and children. This is an experimental treatment for a condition that doesn't need treating. You know, no, the whole thing could not have gone ahead. It went ahead because the vast majority of the medical profession is indoctrinated, is spineless, lacks moral integrity. And I'm telling you right now, this idea that, you know, first do no harm, first do no harm my ass, first, what, what the principles are, first, do no harm to my um, career, first, do no harm to my paycheck, first, do no harm to my mortgage, first, do no harm to my private schooling, 
and my fancy holiday. First, do no harm to any of these things. First, do no harm to how, how liked I am amongst my colleagues. Right. And then somewhere way down that list is maybe first, do no harm to my patient. And, and the reason why I'm saying this is, look, look, you should be able to question anything, especially in medicine, because that's what patient safety is about. You know, you right. might have this, oh, amazing drug, but if someone sees something, goes, oh, you know what? I, I've seen a run of problems. I, I need to speak up about this. But the moment they do, the medical directors come down on you like a ton of bricks. You know, instead of saying to me, this breaches social media policy guidelines and don't ever talk about this ever again, what the medical director should have said to me is, Ahmed, what are you seeing? What was that video about? Can you let right. can you tell us? Right. Can we look in? We'd, we'd like to look into it. And hopefully we can prove you wrong and say, actually, there's nothing to worry about. And, you know, it's just a one-off thing that you've seen. Actually, the, everybody else has said there's no problem. You would have expected that. Or, you know, yes. it's, surely it's better to investigate and I'm wrong than not investigate and me be right. Okay, so, yeah, but you know, patient... That isn't what it was about, though, is it, though? The whole point was you have to accept the narrative. And if you don't accept the narrative, you will be marked out as a troublemaker. And that's what they've done with you. Yeah. They've tarred and feathered you. And they've taken away your ability to earn a living. And because, because what you did is you put integrity above and beyond the narrative that they were pushing. And good for you. I know it's really hard. I'm going to read some of the comments that are coming in. Shin said, good for you, Doc. Chris said, I love Doc Malik's uh, um, podcast. Just listen to him and Dolores Carhill. Amazing. Annie said, how many years and damaged patients before surgeons with questionable practices are stopped? And that is really the question. Is somebody like you with a great track record, you know, essentially loved by your patients? I've seen some of the testimonies of people towards you. So I, I am absolutely aware of what people think about you who have been through this, the system with you. And you've literally been removed. A talented surgeon has been removed removed for speaking out. This is wrong. This is absolutely wrong. Why are, I know you'll talk about, you know, all of the, the the issues, the financial issues and everything and all the sort of vested interests that doctors have. But essentially, do you believe that the vast majority of people in the NHS are aware that this has been something of a scam? Um, I think it's like the population. Um, but you, that, to answer that question, just look at the recent uptake of flu and COVID shots. I think some, some 70% of doctors and nurses are not taking them. Right? So they know something's not right. But they're still willing to jab their patients. And, you know, Dr. Cartland talked about this in, in a recent um, podcast with me. He was saying, you know, in the meeting, they were like, oh, no, I'm not taking the shot. I'm not taking the shot. Yeah, yeah, there's something not right. You know? But then after they had their little coffee break, they went back out and started jabbing everybody. So, you know, and this is what I'm talking about. They've failed the moral integrity test. And they're, you know, the whole profession, as far as I'm concerned, I'm disgusted by it. Now, that's not to say that there's not good people in the system. Of course, there are good people in the system. But, you know, there's a heavy dose of indoctrination, brainwashing, groupthink, professional hubris, you know, oh, we know everything. We're so smart, you know, and this professional arrogance, which I can't stand, this idea that they're better than us, better than the plebs, you know, the idiots. Right. Um, right. I hate that. I hate that. And that's yeah. my working class roots. I've never fallen for that crap. Um, right. But but the thing is, you know, the, the whole medical profession needs to be destroyed and I'd love to reinvent it, right? And I've got my ideas how I do that. But the problem is, you know, the regulatory system is captured by big pharma, by the corporate technocracy, by the cabal, by the banks, 
and it's deep rooted. You know, they've for decades they've been brainwashing the doctors through the medical system. They've captured the medical um, literature, the papers, the research, the GMCs, the Royal Colleges, you name it, everything. I mean, Kim Witchak did a podcast with me. She talked about the spider web's influence of big pharma. And big pharma by extension is the, the corporations and the banks. It's all the medical, military, industrial complex. They permeate through everything. And what they want is a sick society and they want to farm us like cattle. They don't want healthy people. All the healthcare systems are not healthcare systems. They're sick care systems. You know, I can tell you right now as a doctor, you know, 90% of what I see is just garbage, chronic disease, which can be treated with proper prevention and education. You know, like right. if you break a bone, if you're if you're in a car crash, if you're, you know, emergency trauma, yeah, absolutely, you need medicine. But a lot of what we're seeing is just garbage, you know. Right. And I hear you. And I'm you know a what you said to, to me the other day. Yes, you are indeed. And what you said to me the other day, I thought was so touching and so profound. You said, "I'm grieving. I'm grieving the loss of my career. That's really painful, Ahmed." Yes. I, to be honest, I've kind of. I was saying I had grieved, and for two months, I was very emotional. I was very sad. I was, you know, angry, crying. You know, like, you know, like a big baby. And anybody who says, "Oh, you shouldn't cry if you're a man," no, actually, strong men do cry. It's good to let it oh, out. Absolutely, um, absolutely. No, I'm, I'm over it now. I'm over it now. And you know, I'd rather someone was saying to me, one of my colleagues, "Oh, but what are you going to do? I can't believe you let go of the GMC, and you know how you're going to make money." Look, I'd rather be free and happy and able to speak up um, and say what I think um, than be like all my colleagues who are wealthy, but slaves, slaves to the system, cowering. And you can see it in their eyes. They look miserable and they know they're living a lie. And I am not living a lie. <laughs> I've got purpose in my life and I'm happy. And I'm like, I'm fighting what is, you know, a war. There's a war on our minds. There's a war on our spirits. And it sounds very dramatic, but it is, you know, like it, it really is. Once you start seeing the big picture and connecting the dots, you understand what's involved and what's at stake. And sitting on the fence is basically spatting for the opposition. It's not enough to be awake. You need to do something. 100%. But you're free now. You're free. And your your podcast is going from strength to strength. You have brilliant guests on there. Absolutely. You can find out more about Doc Malik at www.docmalik.com. But yeah, your podcast is going great. So that's an area that you're really expanding on, isn't it? And that must feel really good to be able to say what you want to say, what needs to be said. Yeah. The podcast will be even better one day when you're a guest. Oh, yeah, look I at that. <laughs> I mean it. I mean it. Thank and, you. Um, I appreciate that very much. You know what? It's like embrace adversity, embrace hardship oh, yeah. and oh, just yeah. see where life takes you. And if you said a year ago, I'll be a professional podcast. I think I would have pissed myself laughing. Seriously. <laughs> be like, what are you talking about? But here I am, you know, here you've I am. settled and into I, it. It's I'm, natural. Absolutely. You're an absolute natural at it. You naturally chat to people and it's absolutely brilliant. Absolutely. So wonderful comments and inspiration. They're saying in the chat. Well said, Ahmed. Absolutely. This man is the way forward in healthcare. I've been thinking like this for a long time, says Dud. Indeed. And so say all of us. Ahmed, you're bringing us to the end of this week's The Sonia Paulson show is wonderful guest so 
delighted to have you with us. I promise I will be on your podcast soon. Everybody, I want to thank you so much for joining us this week. It's been a tremendous week here at today's News Talk TNT. Thank you from me and the whole team. Thank you to everybody who has been in touch with us. I'm sorry my emails are a little bit behind. I will be in touch with you ASAP. Have a terrific weekend. I will see you Monday. Do not go anywhere. We have a raft of brilliant shows coming up, including Abby Roberts. Take excellent care of yourself. I will see you Monday. 